Great to be with you here this morning. And first off, to God be all the glory for what He's done, for what He's done through you. Hats off to our volunteers last weekend. Volunteers in about 10 different departments that ensured our campus was safe, our children were taken care of, everyone got coffee, and when our, when our, uh, our coffee ran out, people were scuttling back to bring it, that people who wanted donuts got them, and they got more than just one. We're grateful for every volunteer that put in extra energy yesterday, last week, yesterday. <laughs> yes, yesterday. Last weekend, because a lot of people were deeply touched, and we give Jesus all the credit for that. All the credit. It's His. We're His. And we're so grateful for what He's done, and what He's going to do Even this morning and this week, before I start, I want to ask Jesus to just just put a bridle on my mouth like a horse, to make certain that whatever comes out of my mouth isn't from a horse, it's from Him. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for the honor of representing your words, and I just ask that you would speak to my brothers and sisters this morning. Lord, we saw... Great things last weekend, and we want to see great things in our hearts and even today. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week, we discovered that the resurrection of Jesus Christ created Christianity, and it was an extraordinary event with profound implications. And we challenge you to allow the resurrection to reframe your life. Believe God is personal. Believe suffering is not an evidence of God's absence. Believe forgiveness is available, heaven is real, And believe God loves you and wants to love others through you. And part of believing God is personal is believing that he's present. That actually the spirit, the presence of Jesus is here right now with us. Whenever we gather, the presence of Jesus is with us here right now. And part of allowing a resurrection to reframe our lives is to believe that our God is the God of all hope. Our God is the God of all hope. And this morning, we want to talk about letting hope rise. Letting hope rise. And the truth is, our nature is to have low expectations. Our nature is to be hopeless, to be despairing. Because often our expectations aren't met. So-and-so didn't follow through. He or she didn't keep their word. They didn't go all out. They weren't all in. Uh, I haven't gotten the job I've been waiting on. And so we have these high expectations. We have hope held high, but so quickly we can retract our expectations, our hope, because we don't see any answers forthcoming. We don't see that our expectations are met. And so it's just easier to lower our expectations. Then we don't get hurt, right? Not only do I, I haven't had that job offer yet, but I've, I've got the job, but no raise. And I know the company's doing fine. What's the problem? Or as I heard a single uh, early 20-something say this week, I'm waiting on a guy and a job. And I heard others share, you know what? I'm newly married. I'm, I'm waiting on a family, some children. 
And I know some of you have teenagers, and you're like, I'm waiting for this to be over with. <laughs> I get that. Or now your kids are moving out of the house, and you're like, uh, glory. <laughs> this is good. And now I'm waiting on a renewed marriage. Or, gosh, we've been saving for a home. We're, we want to see, we want to establish some permanency here, but we're not seeing what we expect. And so it's just easier to say, hey, let's lower our expectations. Then we're not hurt. Then we're not disappointed. The problem with lowering your expectations is this is what happens. You move into an entitlement position. You get sensitive. You get, you get um, um, territorial, proprietal. Hey, you know what? If I don't, I'm not going to have great expectations, I'm holding on to what I got. Okay? Don't, 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 don't touch this. Or if you, given the fact that your expectations aren't being met, but you have some folks for which you're, you're, you have expectations or some organizations or some benefits, you, you argue, I'm entitled for those. Those are mine. Those are mine. And what I want you to hear today is that part of letting hope rise is raising your expectations. Raising your expectations. You raise your expectations because there's a couple things God wants to do in you. But there's also something he wants to do through you. You you may come back from last weekend and like, okay, let's check out and see what's on the table. Let's see what's on the table here with this community of Christ followers. And what I want you to know today is there's a couple things God wants to do in you, but there's also something he wants to do through you. Ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. So, this morning I want you to, I want to start off with a little fun, a little video that features some folks that were having expectations met they never imagined, and also a few people who actually were meeting those expectations and discovered a joy they never imagined. Let's have a little fun. Are you serious? I feel like this is too much. Really? Yes. That was amazing. I always said amazing. Are you serious? I feel like this is too much. Really? Yes. That was amazing. I always said amazing, but that one was really amazing with a couple A. Parker. My name is Leslie. I'm a personal trainer. My name is Marquise. I'm a marathon runner. My name is Jeff. I'm a chef and a cyclist. I was an absolute disaster as a child. I was put into foster care for about a year, year and a half of my life. That was really hard. Money's always been an issue. Where I live is no one's wealthy. Yeah, I didn't really have like a passion. I'd be at the gym and I found it was a way that I could open up. I got invited to come out to run with a run club. It was a first time I ever felt like belonged somewhere. Now I get to train other people to help them love themselves. Riding a bicycle has made me a better person, so if I could give that to somebody else and change their life, and hopefully for the better, like that would mean the world to me. Do you want to give a bike away today? Is that a a serious question? 
Do you want to give away a tablet filled with dozens of empowering books to help others? Do I really get to do this? How would it make you feel to run around and get some other runners and then give them a hundred bucks? That would change someone's life. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. Do you want to do it? Let's make it happen. Hey, brother, how you doing? Good, man. How's your run going? Good so far. Good so far. Yeah. Hey, man. I have a question for you. How's your day going? It's going well. I want to make your day just a little bit better, if that's okay with you. Okay. What if I said this is your bike? And this is to encourage you to keep going, man. That is for you. Really? Yes. This is your new bike. 100%. That's just for the love, man, for, for running. $100, man. Thank you so much. You're welcome. You're welcome. Can I, like, give you a hug? Yes. <laughs> That was unbelievable. I think I, he thought I was joking the entire time. That kind of like warmed my heart a little bit. <laughs> I have one question. Do you want to do it again? Do you want to do it again? Do you want to do it again? Yes. Seriously? Yes. See, he doesn't believe me and I don't believe you. Let's do it. Oh, man. You keep it coming. Let's do it. This is your bike. Wait. What? Wouldn't it be better if like wind was blowing in your hair and you were riding a bike? So I want to make your day get like a 10. No strings attached. You're going to ride away with it. Why? Has anyone done anything cool for you guys yeah, today? Yeah, yeah. What have you got a free bike today? Really? I'm going to give you $100. $100 a free dollars? I'm going to give you this. Oh. <laughs> $100 for you being out here sweating. No, no, it's too much. This is now your bike. Okay. That's for you. No way. Yes. You're joking. No. Are you serious? This is mine, really? This is 100% yours. This is oh, for you? No. Really? This is for me to keep? I want to give you something for your hard work. It's all yours. <laughs> Guys, keep it up, all right? You're doing something thank great. You. Keep it up. I feel like this is too much. Thank you. Say thank you. That's awesome. I mean... <laughs> serious? I'm positive, man. I'm positive. From me to you. Hey, good meeting you. Right, man. You take care, all right? You just made a not-so-great day amazing. It's helping someone. You know, it's, it's changing someone's day, someone in the smallest of ways. So this that change is powerful. This is one of the coolest feelings I've ever had in my entire life. I'll be, I'll be. Okay. The last few weeks have been rough, and, like, it feels amazing. I think we get so consumed in our own world of taking that we forget about how much more fulfilling giving is. This is, like, the best day of my life. This really is. I was like shaking before and now my heart's like a little bit warm, you know? When you said you want to make someone's day, I think you originally thought someone else's, but it's, it's turning out to be mine. I think everyone's day is made. All right. Oh, isn't that special? Are you serious? Just... <laughs> there are a few things God wants to do in your life, and there's something he wants to do through your life. Let me just ask, how many of you, for $100, are willing to start running every day if you got $100? Like, yeah, let's do it. I'm a runner. Go get me some shoes. Let's do this. $100. Bucks. Here, <laughs> not for 100 I love that. How many of you are like, nah, I ain't running for 100 today. All right. Well, I'm going to buy 200 Who's going for two? <laughs> Here's what I want to challenge you to do. Raise your expectations. And... All next month, what you're going to hear is, when hope rises, anything's possible. <laughs> when hope rises, anything's possible. Because Jesus said, with, with God, all things are possible. How would you like to know how God wants to help you raise your expectations? And not just do something for you 
but do something through you that will bring you joy. So I'm going to take you to someone in those first century documents from one of those eyewitnesses who captured a story that only he recorded. It's only recorded by him. One story that happened in Jerusalem. You heard about that guy that had been an invalid, a paralytic, for 38 years. And he was healed miraculously, got up and walked, went about his day. He didn't expect that to happen. In fact, he didn't even know who Jesus was. Here it is. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda. That means house of mercy. And which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie because of the medicinal value of the waters, perhaps, because they, being disabled, the religious leaders had applied a policy about the Levites who couldn't serve. You couldn't be a priest and, and be in the temple courts if you had a disability. The religious leaders, perhaps, had even excluded those who were not priests, but who had disabilities from the temple courts. They were, they were merely about 400 yards from the temple courts, but they were excluded. Who was excluded? The blind, the lame, the paralyzed, and one who was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. 38 years, almost the same number of years the Jews were in Jerusalem. The Jews, rather, were in Egypt. 38 years. These are, this is a modern excavation of the pools of Bethesda that I took a picture of in November in, in one of the colonnades. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time. Point of information. Jesus thought 38 years was a long time. That's a long time. He asked him, say it with me this week, do you want to get well? Hmm. 38 years. Somebody asks him, do you want to get well? Not a tough question. Sir, he doesn't call him Lord. It's the same Greek word. The translators translate it sir. He doesn't know Jesus is Lord. Because he doesn't know who Jesus is. The invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. There was a, this idea that an angel would stir the waters without going too deeply into this. Can you just trust me not to go too deeply into this? This does not show up in the earliest manuscripts of the Gospel of John. Okay? But I don't want to talk about it. It's long-winded. It doesn't really matter that much. What matters is Jesus is in the house, right next to him. Then he said to him, Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. At once the man was cured, and he picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was the Sabbath. 
There were 1,500 rules at this point on keeping the Sabbath. Sabbath was Saturday for the Jews. They weren't supposed to work. Cook. Think about working. Nothing. And so the Jewish leaders said to the man who had been healed, it's the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. Wow. Uh, pretty empathetic leaders, right? If, if I'm him, I'm saying, hey, <laughs> I'm healed. No doubt, if you're in a spot for a long time, you get to know who's, who shows up early in Jerusalem. I was in Jerusalem in November, early in the morning, six-ish. And there's very few people walking around. He, he would have been there. He, he, knew who showed, he knew who was opening their shops, who showed up for work. How come? Because he was an invalid. He was there all the time, 24-7. On one mat, probably, with a, have, probably he had, had several pets over the years. He probably had had multiple mats over the years. But he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. So, so, so I, not only am I walking, but you're not getting this mat out of my hands. Because that dude told me to, to carry my mat. I'm going to carry my mat. And here's the deal. He, he may very well have, have reasoned... Uh, how long do I carry my mat? The guy just healed me. Maybe it was, you know, into the next year, he was still carrying his mat wherever he went. At the dinner table, at Starbucks, wherever he was. We don't know. But if Jesus tells you to carry your mat, you, he's carrying his mat. Life is good for him. This has been a good morning for him. So they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was. You ever do something for a stranger? You have no idea who they are. Buy them a coffee, buy them lunch. Call them accidentally. <laughs> for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Jesus was sometimes so, such a good manager of his public time. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and he said to him, See, you're well again. You're healed. Your, your issue's been addressed. Stop sinning. Or something worse may happen to you. What? What could be worse than being bedridden for 38 years? The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus. He reported, them, he reported Jesus to them. It's Jesus who had made him well. This is probably year two in Jesus' ministry. Probably a year had passed since John chapter four. Ray Johnston writes, where there is no faith in the future, there's no power in the present. Let me just ask. Are you finding yourself powerless because you're waiting at the water for something to happen? You're waiting at the water for a job. You're waiting at the water for a spouse. You're waiting at the water for the lottery. And it's, the waters aren't moving. And so you feel like there's a lack of, there's no future. Because there's been no change. It's been the same old, same old. And I want to invite you to raise your expectations. And to do it in a way that will allow Christ to work. I want to talk about three expectation-raising 
traits. The first is this, believe that better days are ahead. When Jesus saw him lying there, he learned that he had been in this condition for a long time. He asked him, do you want to get well? Believe always that better days are ahead. Better days. I remember as a 20-something, 28, 29, I was a youth pastor in Carthage, Missouri. That's how you say it, Missouri. It was a great ministry, a lot of fun, but I was starting to miss home. I was raised in California. I was missing the smell. I was missing missing the ocean break. I was missing just guacamole. For real, avocados. I want some good chips. I wanted to come home. And for some reason in my 20s, I was watching that profound film, Lion King. Do you remember that scene when Rafiki was talking to Simba and telling him to go home? I was like, that's mean. I'm not kidding. I'd tear up watching that. I want to go home. And I had a vision. I wanted to go home, and I wanted to be a part of helping families like the one I was raised in, helping them stay together and know that better days are ahead. So I started looking for jobs, and I got an offer to go to Los Angeles. And we looked at it, and we just didn't feel like God was leading us there. So we said no, and I told, I'd made a five-year commitment to our church, and I said, we're going to stay. Uh, we, we think we're going we're gonna to stay. And then a week later, I got a phone call from Rick Stedman at Adventure Christian Church of Roseville. And he said some nice words. And I'm like, Northern California? Really? Ah. And then he hired me and, my, me, and he hired my brother-in-law too, my wife's twin sister's husband. He was looking at us both, didn't even know we were related. And... When he saw our wives, he figured it out. They're twins. And we came out together. And let me tell you, better days were ahead. We had an incredible run in Roseville. And then I wanted, to, I wanted to plant a church. Because when I was a kid, I was raised under the leadership of Chuck Smith Sr. I don't know if you know who this guy is. He's like the godfather of the Jesus movement. Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa. And I wanted to plant a church at 35 because Chuck did. That was my spiritual prompting. And so I, I wanted to plant, and I'm like, I kind of wanted to, I, I thought of Auburn, and I thought, no, that sounds just like a vacation. That doesn't sound very cool. I want something challenging. And the Lord said, Natomas. And I'm like, really? I like the airport. I love the airport. It reminds me of the John Wayne Airport I was raised near. Just, I love planes flying all the time. It speaks to my attention deficit challenges. And I just dug it. I mean, I'm like, the airport, the culture's so different from where I was raised. There's food everywhere. There's games. I'm in. Here's my point. Better days were ahead, way better than I could have mapped out. And they're increasingly fun now for me and my family. We're enjoying our time together. It's fun. We're interested now, and we get all jazzed about stuff like Formula One racing, watching it on TV. There's a race today. Last night, we went out to the, tri- the Triple Crown Equestrian Center out in Sheridan. You know where Sheridan is? It's like Missouri. <laughs> and they have an incredible equestrian center. And we did, where they train cutting horses and rodeo horses, we just went out there to hang out. We know nothing about the sport, but we like being here. Better days are ahead. They're ahead for you, too. But what do you have to be willing to do like this invalid did? Here's what you've got to be willing to do. You've got to be willing to say... Yes to grace. 
You see, the reason you can raise your expectations, there's only one way. There's only one how. There's only one why. It's because of grace. It's because of God's generosity towards you. It's not because of what you can do. It's, it's because of grace. It was by grace that the Hebrews experienced and were given. Houses they didn't build. Vineyards they didn't plant. Wells they didn't dig. Gardens they didn't till. Better days are ahead for us. Not because of us. It's by grace. How do you do this? You say yes to a new story. This gentleman was asked, do you want to get well? He said, yes, I'm in. I'm in. Be willing to say yes to a new story. Be willing to say yes to the story Jesus is writing about you in your life. And sometimes the invitation to a new story is not always pleasant. When Jesus is speaking to us, let me just say it. You you know Jesus is calling you when there's more self-denial, when there's sometimes less comfort, when, it, when more of you is dying, we're called to deny ourselves. And yet at the same time, there's more peace, there's more joy, and there's guacamole coming your way. <laughs> Number two, believe impossible things are possible. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. Pick up your mat and walk. Pick up your mat and walk. You got to believe you got, you got to have faith that the God of grace will do something you yourself can't do. I remember when I was taking a final in an Old Testament, Testament prophet class by P.T. Butler, and the final exam was to write out Isaiah 53 by memory. And I just, I just, I just, I didn't have it. So I'm an honest guy. Sometimes to my own hurt, but I just wrote on the paper. Don't know it. <laughs> Failed. Failed the test. Then when everyone got their test results, they're all thrilled. The whole class is all excited. I'm like, what's going on? And then he says, oh, my, my fellow student said, fellow friend said, oh, didn't you hear? All you had to do was write the first word of that 15-verse chapter. Remember, the chapter is all about grace. It's not about what you do. It's about what God does. All you have to do is just try. You would get an A. (laughs) How many of you are like me? Sometimes you think it's just all on your performance. It's all on what you can do, what you can engineer, what you can plan, how hard you can work, how strategic you are, how smart you are, how witty you are. No. Impossible things happen when you believe in grace. That's how you raise your expectations. We've been enjoying our friendship with the West family here at Adventure. Uh, I personally have especially enjoyed their son, uh, David West, and his wife, Annalisa. Uh, they, David's preached here a few times I've offered him a job here at least 10 times in the last few years. I just love him. I think he's an incredible preacher and man and husband, father. He's got two boys. And we've been praying for them and supporting them. And they've been trying to raise $187,000. I don't know when the last time is that you've decided we're going to raise 187000 Okay. 
That's a lot of running days. If you're getting $100 a day for running, that's a lot of running. Okay? And they've been doing it for two and a half years, and they shared this with me this week. Hey, Adventure Family, guess what? We are fully funded and we are leaving. That's right. We are headed out next Sunday, May 5th, and we're just super excited. We wanted to say thank you and give a shout out to you guys. We couldn't do what we are doing without your support. So we just thank you for your prayers, your support, and ask that you continue to pray for us and missionaries all over the world. We love you guys. Couldn't have done it without you. And it is true. Adventurers, adventurers. Our church and our our beloved family are supporting them as much as any church that they work with. We've been extremely generous. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Oh, they're they're not going to Missouri. They're going to Nepal. They're going to Nepal to reach the Buddhists of that community. And they're so excited. We're so excited for them. How do you believe that God can do the impossible? Here's how. You've got to listen to Jesus' voice. I work hard at listening to Jesus' voice and distinguishing, distinguishing it from other voices. I do, personally. Not your critics. These religious leaders were critical of this guy. Don't listen to your critics. You can listen to your close friends, but not your critics. And don't listen to your mat. You know, sometimes we don't want to raise our expectations and believe that God could do something impossible by grace alone because we've gotten comfortable on our mat. Do any of you have like a pillow that's, it's just, it's over a hundred years old, but you just love it. It's your pillow. Don't take my pillow. That's my pillow. And sometimes the idea of a new story, God doing something new is challenging because it's uncomfortable. How many of you would think going to Nepal for a couple years would be uncomfortable? You're not ready to do that. Right. When Jesus is leading you, he's going to replace what's been comfortable with something new. Better days are ahead. Be okay with that. Be okay with following him. Thirdly, believe faith is greater than fear. At once the man was cured, he picked up his mat and walked. Where did he walk? My guess is he walked to a space he hadn't been to in four decades. The temple courts. Where the presence of God was. He got to go to a space that he, his whole life, mostly, he had felt he was unworthy of. Is there a place or a space that you personally feel like, hey, people like me don't get to go there? I'm not worth that. I couldn't do that. You know what? My English isn't good enough. I don't have a degree. Um, I don't have the, the smarts for that. I'm not one of them. Here Jesus is trying to let this guy know, your faith as God's child, God's son, God's daughter, is enough. To face any of your fears, it's enough. We've got a couple tools here for you that will help you understand the importance of changing your thinking when it comes to facing your fears. There are really destructive steps that we take, this is in your outline, that lead us towards fear. We're focused only on the problem. We're expecting to be defeated. We have an attitude of self-protection, 
and we run from the problem. Faith is different. Faith has, is full of positive choices. Faith is focused on God. It anticipates God's help. It insists on being involved. It takes time to prepare. And it has an impact on everyone else. What steps of faith is the Spirit prompting you to take? How is He asking you to raise your expectations of what is impossible for Him to do in your life? How is He asking you to raise expectations as it relates to better days being ahead? How is He asking you to raise your expectations as it relates to facing your fears with faith? Real faith. Let me tell you, as we learned last week, those first century Christians experienced more suffering and saw more suffering than we could ever imagine. You see, even in our, in our global events this last week, people suffering in the developing world. Christians suffering awfully. God's calling us to stand. Be people of faith, carry our mat. When the policy says, don't carry your mat today. You don't carry your mat, you're not supposed to carry your mat. Hey, he said, carry my mat, I'm carrying my mat. You're not taking this mat from me. Be bold. Then Jesus catches up to this guy and he says, see, you're well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. Oh, yeah. You're, you're, you must be Jesus? Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. You might be here this morning and asking yourself the question. Pastor Scott, are, are, you, you're, are you telling me to stop sinning? There's a pleasure I enjoy. There's something no one knows about. I know it's wrong. I've got it in control. Are you telling me to stop it or something worse will happen to me? Pastor Scott, I know I'm, I'm in a relationship I shouldn't be in. I'm not managing it the way I should. Are you, are you telling me that I need to stop sinning or something worse could happen to me? You misunderstand. No. I'm not telling you that. Jesus is. Jesus is. We want to be attentive to, to managing our, li- our spiritual life, our heart. We've got to protect ourselves. DJ West and I talked about this, the importance of protecting ourselves all the time, being above reproach by grace, not our own works. How do you do this? You walk away and you don't look back. You walk away and you don't look back. You don't peek. Mm-mm. You walk away. You just walk away. What do you do? You walk away. Sometimes, by the way, you run away. Nothing wrong with that. Run, flee, Paul says to the young Timothy. Flee, run. Sometimes you run. Even if $100 isn't, isn't there for you. Some of you might be thinking, listen, God's not calling me to Nepal. He, he's not calling me to Missouri. He called me right here to Natomas. How many of you, that's you? Natomas, that's my, that's my home. Just four of us? Are all of you from outside of this region? <laughs> Welcome. What an honor. We have a regional congregation here. Wow. I want to challenge you today to become somebody who blesses others. Become a blessing. 
And the way you do that is every day begin with prayer. Pray for your neighbors. Pray for your friends. Pray for them every day. Bless them. Bless your brothers and sisters. Bless your non-believing friends. Listen to the needs around you. I had such an opportunity yesterday with a neighbor whom I love and I pray for every day. I was out running, and when I, I wanted to go by the baseball fields just to see what was going on, and her son was up to bat, and he almost hit a home run, and I got to be there. And I've never told her, hey, I pray for you every day. That's weird. <laughs> and you eat meals with your neighbors and coworkers or friends. Eat with them. We're good at eating, are we not? We're gifted. When you get a chance, serve others. When you're asked or not asked, offer to serve. Service can be a language people really understand. That preaches. And you don't need words. And then when you get a chance, tell them about the Jesus that told you to get up, take up your mat, and follow him. Share your Jesus story. That's how you bless. There's three expectations raising traits here. Believe that better days are ahead. Maybe that's for you today. By grace. Better days are ahead by grace, not my own works. Believe impossible things are possible by grace. $187,000 sounds impossible. And believe faith is greater than fear. Faith helps you go forward, carry your mat. I want to pray for you. Can I do that? That your expectations will, will be raised today by grace. As the band comes forward... Let me close. Heavenly Father, help us raise our expectations by grace. Father, help us raise our expectations that better days are ahead for our children, for our students, for our young adults. Father, help us raise our expectations knowing that that which is impossible for man is possible for God. You can rearrange, you can reorganize, you can make adjustments with a simple question. Do you want to get well? And Heavenly Father, help us go forward with faith, not fear. 